Welcome to another edition of the Dementia Care Partner Talk Show. Now, here's dementia care expert Tifa Snow and your host, Greg Phelps. Hello and welcome to the Positive Approach to Care Dementia Care Partners podcast, brought to you by RecallQ, the perfect solution for remote caregiving. RecallQ not only turns any tablet into a dementia care day clock, it also allows your whole family to send messages, share photos, schedule reminders, and have two-way video calls easily from their phone. RecallQ, be a great caregiver from anywhere. I'm Greg Phelps, along with your regular contributor here, Tipa Snow. And Tipa, apparently in your spare time, <clears throat> you occasionally read reports, and one of the latest being, I love this, Universal Design Guidelines for Improving Quality of Life and COVID Infection Control in Residential Care. And you said you clicked on this one with great trepidation. Love that word. Uh, why is that? Um, what made you want to keep reading, and what are some of the takeaways from this report? Well, what I was I was worried about is what kind of recommendations might get made universally for uh, settings, because what we've seen frequently is, well, to keep people safe, we need to hold them up, wall them up and keep them alone. I mean, that was and I was hoping like hope against hope that wasn't a universal recommendation, but I was concerned about it because we certainly have heard a lot from, you know, the World Health Organization to the public health systems, that isolation, isolation, social distancing, wear masks was so essential that I thought, yikes, you know, is this what we're going to keep doing to people who are living with dementia and their families? And this, that's scary. So I went to it and I thought, oh dear, what am I going to read? And I was excited when I read it because it was like person-centered and it really was like, wow, you know, and when I went on the site, I mean, they actually have done the same thing with schools and long-term care and residential care, but even just sitting in community setting, thinking, okay, so here's some core things. So, like, one thing was to really relook at your air circulation and what options do you have to keep the air as fit and healthy as possible. And the answer is, hmm, yeah, we know that outdoors there was a much lower transmission rate. So, yeah, what can we do to the inside airflow that reduces transmission? And the answer was improve what we got, because most of what we got is really not good for, for uh, breathing in and breathing out and not sharing air in ways that isn't healthy. So, Greg, in that, what did I say about where was a safer place? Well, safer places outdoors. And, and so the, the response to that might be, okay, we need outdoor units for everybody. Well, what we do need is access to the outdoors for people, even though we may have an environment that says, oh, we have to practice safety. People should have access to outdoors on a daily basis, not only for breath, but for well-being, because the research shows people need to get outside in a different setting for cognitive well-being, uh, social well-being, emotional well-being. And that outdoor setting allows for greater socialization, visual socialization, but also with animals, with the world around you, plants. It gives you so many opportunities to actively engage if you're not in a room, but you're in a bigger space and you have that chance. So another 
thing that they identified as human beings need human beings. So we got to figure out ways that the people I like to be with, want to be with, and sometimes need to be with, that we have places and spaces where that's possible, but it doesn't put as many other people at risk as it would in a setting where, you know, one person is caring for a multitude of people in different areas, in and out, in and out. And instead, we look at limiting the number of contacts each of us would have, but making sure those contacts are people that I really want to be with sometimes and with the frequency I need them to be with. And then they take caution as well. So, I mean, I was suitably like, wow, this is a well-done thing. And it's a well-done thing in that it came out of a university putting together case studies of what had happened to people, but then pulling together a wide array of individuals, uh, people who ran buildings, people who um, lived in buildings, people who family members, community personnel, and then people who understand universal design. So it's really exciting. I, I have to ask this. Um, is there ageism perhaps in some mm. of what we see on occasion? Because it's easy to sort of say, well, they're going to die anyhow. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there is that. And there's also, you know, there's ageism and stigma with dementia, with age, with a frailty of other kinds, uh, people in wheelchairs, people who can't walk well, you know, well, why, you know, if they just can't walk, well, you know, it's too much trouble. We'll just, you know, they don't go anywhere anyway. <laughs> it's like, wait a minute. So yeah, I think we have that. But on the other end, I mean, we've been doing a similar thing. You got to wonder about kids too. I mean, our schools are so dis, in such disrepair, at least in the States, with uh, air conditioning, you know, air units and, and air quality and lighting and uh, the ability to go outside and be in an environment that allows you to be part of the world for more than you know what you can fit in at recess um, in order to engage in other ways of being with each other. So I think, yes, there is ageism, but there's also this two sets of ageism, too young to be valuable and too old to be valuable, apparently. <laughs> So this is this is something that uh, this report shines a nice light on it. Is this mm -hmm. something that can change? Like I, I see this changing over 10 years, maybe. Well, I think as um, people are constructing, like they're going, ooh, these big, huge buildings are really risky. I mean, just like these great big schools are risky. The great big buildings are risky. So we're looking at smaller units that are more integrated into a neighborhood that can support that so that we quit clumping people into massive areas and then be surprised when people from all the different areas that live outside that have to go back and forth and bring whatever they had from where they were into the big building instead of keeping it localized. I think the the formal name of the report was what was it universal design guidelines for improving quality of life and COVID-19 infection control in residential care so people could probably google that if they're yep. you know desperate for something to put them to sleep <laughs> you could or they could look at the pictures and that might keep them awake you never know because they did <laughs> visuals and graphics for those who were not literal literary Fans. They don't like to look at that. But, yeah. Joking you know, aside, we are hoping that people will read and pay attention to these things because it doesn't affect you now, but it will. 
Yeah, and it may actually be surprising that there are things we could choose to do even in our own homes, um, in our own environments that might impact our ability to stay there. So, and our workplace. And our workplace, yeah. Yeah, so taking care of ourselves, maybe we should take a more active role rather than waiting for someone else to come up with it. Tiba, thank you very much. Thank you, Greg. You've been listening to the Positive Approach to Care Dementia Care Partners podcast, brought to you by RecallQ, the perfect solution for remote caregiving. RecallQ, be a great caregiver from anywhere.